0: they're more at risk of triggering stamp duty, capital gains tax, all sorts of other things by not doing anything.
1: It's really important that the actual will provisions are specifically followed to get the duty exemption and if they're not that you look at a court order or a family deed of arrangement that satisfies an exemption under the duty law. You're listening to Australia's podcast for accountants. Tax Talks, the podcast to grow your firm.
2: Welcome to episode 310 of Tax Talks. This is Heidi Robson and thank you to Class for sponsoring this episode. When you have just cash going into an estate, things are easy. The cash comes in and goes out. You might have a family provision claim or parties contesting the will. But tax is easy. Maybe there is some interest earned while the cash was within the estate, but that is usually not even enough to require a tax return. When you have shares and bonds and EFTs and Bitcoin and whatever it is going into an estate, things get slightly more complicated. If you sell the shares and bonds and whatever it is within the estate, you have capital gains tax. And if you distribute the assets in specie to beneficiaries, then you need to know the cost base. But things are still pretty straightforward usually. But where it gets really tricky is real estate. Because now you're not just dealing with capital gains tax and income tax, but also stamp duty. And stamp duty, as you know, is always about a lot of money. So today let's talk about investment properties going into an estate. And to make it more visual, let's make the investment property a beach house that granddad leaves to his children Joe and Jane and future generations to enjoy. What do you need to look out for to avoid triggering stamp duty capital gains tax and the lot? This is the question to Amanda Morton of Morton Legal and Paul Golden of Vectical Legal in Melbourne.
0: very much as we see it is that a lot of the tax questions actually come out of incorrect preparation of the succession planning, particularly say wills with testamentary trusts where it hasn't been thought out properly and at the planning stage, all the aspects haven't really been considered. And then what you have is in the estate itself or in the transfer between the estate and the testamentary trust, a lot of the tax issues start materialising And many of those could be addressed prior to by correctly formulating the succession planning and asset protection so that those aspects are actually addressed and covered off prior to. And I suppose one of the areas that's really become a hot topic for tax is where you have foreign beneficiaries. And that's where we're seeing it. But it's not only in those circumstances, Amanda and myself currently, a matter where potential difficulties in the will and how it then led into the testamentary trust which has then created tax and duty problems and it really highlights the difficulty in um, just getting an off-the-shelf testamentary trust will and and where you might actually be faced with horrendous tax and uh, duty situations later on. Because of the succession and the will's actually, that's where you can mitigate a lot of the tax issues. It's really important for listeners to understand the issues surrounding wills and that aspect of succession planning.
2: Yes, of course, law and tax work hand in hand with this one. You can't fix one
1: without considering the other. Absolutely. First of all important, to know exactly what the client's assets are. So, for example, if a client has a lot of real estate in their own name and they're going to be wanting it to pass to the next generation, then you're probably going to look at a testamentary trust to hold that asset. And as soon as you're dealing with property, then tax issues come into play as well as the drafting of the actual will. And it is not appropriate to get an off-the-shelf will or a simple will or to do an online will when you're dealing with an estate that involves property that the willmaker wants to pass on to the next generation.
2: You highlighted that particularly for real estate, a testamentary trust often makes a lot of sense. Why particularly for real estate and not for shares or cash or bonds or whatever you might hold in assets?
1: A testamentary trust is good whenever you have assets that you want to pass on to the next generation. So assets that you don't want to sell. When you're dealing with cash, it's not so necessary because you can hold cash at bank. But when you are dealing with assets that you want to keep, be it shares or bonds or real estate or things like that, then it's really Worthwhile to have a testamentary trust, especially if you want to them to pass to more than one person, or to uh, more than one generation, such as a child and then a grandchild. So, for example, if you've got a the classic one is a holiday house, and a lot of people have a holiday house and they want it to pass on um, to their children and then to their grandchildren. So they might make gifts in their will to the individual children, and that might be cash gifts, but then they'll put the holiday house in a testamentary trust because the trust has 80 years life. You don't have to worry about the individual children's wills. You've got automatic succession planning within that trust vehicle. So it is ideal for the holiday house. And if you say have Jane and, and John as your children, then Jane and John can control that trust and therefore the holiday house and their children can then ultimately benefit from it. And you also have the asset protection trying to ensure that they do not pass sideways to spouses of your children. So if you have two trusts, say, for example, one for each child, then it's more likely that if there's a, a matrimonial split that the spouse divorcing can get child's assets. But if you have them all in one trust and you say, quote, grandchild's trust, so it's obviously intended to pass through the generations, then you're more likely to be treating that those assets as a a financial benefit and not as property which is divided between the parties to the marriage so that's the huge benefit of testamentary trust and for that reason you could put cash in it and hold it and you can put anything in it it's it's the huge benefit of testamentary trust is asset protection against creditors and divorce.
2: I agree with you Amanda as long as you don't control a trust it most likely won't go into the family asset pool and hence won't be available in a family
1: court settlement, correct? So it's a question of how you control it. So if you control it with your sister or your brother, that's not an issue. It's when you have sole control, it becomes nothing and it becomes your asset.
0: It's this measure of balancing your control say, now we're probably talking about the deceased during his or her lifetime, their control over the asset, the more control over the asset they have, the less asset protection they have. And that's, um, you know, whether it's from a family law provisioning or a, some sort of other, you know, risk profiling. As a general rule of thumb, the more control you have, the less asset protection you have. So you've got to sort of try and balance that up. And often people have to be aware that they're going to give up a measure of control to be able to afford the succession benefits.
2: Yes, but it's a very good rule of thumb. The more control, the less asset protection.
0: Perfect, yes.
2: May I just very quickly throw in a tax issue slash question? Yes, the um, advantage of a testamentary trust or any trust that you don't control is that it doesn't go into family court settlement because you don't control the trust. There is just one disadvantage of holding the holiday house in a testamentary Trust and that is land tax. Because Absolutely,
0: if- and I think I think this is the balancing issue at the moment. Um, you know, there are a lot of balancing issues at the moment, Heidi. But it's it's something that people have to bear in mind. They have to consider really what are they looking to do, because the testamentary trust is still the go-to for you know leaving it to future generations. It, to put it in the in the opposite, if you don't leave it in a testamentary trust and you bequeath it to somebody, that's their asset. Whereas if you're looking beyond, say, your children to grandchildren, which is often what happens, if you've given it to the two two kids, you've got no you've got well, it's one it's one option, but it's not necessarily preserved for the grandchildren but now you've got the land tax issues. And you've also potentially got some of the other, um, you know, depending on where beneficiaries are, you've got other surcharges and other, you know, foreign owned assets that become a real problem. So it becomes a cost benefit analysis as well, as to, well, do do the costs of having, say, real property, as in, put another way, land, in a testamentary trust versus the benefits that you're looking to achieve long term and waiting those.
2: Quick question, if Jane and Joe decided to sell the holiday house, could they or can you stipulate in a will or put it into the trust deed for the testamentary trust that Jane and Joe are not allowed
1: to sell the holiday house. You could certainly put it as a term of the testamentary trust. And that's the advantage of having the holiday home held in a trust and not giving the asset to someone individually. So if they gave the asset to Jane and Joe personally, then, you've got no control over it. They can sell, they can do whatever they like with it, it's gone. But if you put it in a trust and you have a term of a trust which prohibits sale for a specified period of time, you can certainly do that. So it is a huge balancing act as to what the client wants, like how important is you know going down the bloodline, if you like, for want of a better term. Asset protection, what sort of relationships the children are already in as to whether or not how important asset protection is and then of course the other thing is the the money to fund things like land tax whether there is money that the children have available themselves or whether you'll be putting cash into the uh, trust as well to pay the bills for the retention of the holiday homes so all those factors do come into play.
2: Do you usually use an individual trustee or individual trustees for the testamentary trust or do you usually use a corporate trustee?
1: Normally set it up with individuals, but then corporate trustee has the benefits of also providing succession, so you don't have to worry about changing you know, the type But of course, you then also have an issue with shareholding in the trust, in the corporate trustee. So that's another issue. And that's always the issue when you've got companies who is going to be holding the shares, because you might have trusts or what have you, but you always come back eventually to an individual holding the shares. And yes. at that point in time, you will need their will to be in sync.
2: And the shares of a corporate trustee just go into the normal estate correct the shares and the corporate trustee are held by jane and joe so when jane and joe die those shares go into the estate
0: correct yeah i think heidi are you meaning it it, it would go into jane and joe's estates
2: yes dad died jane and joe are directors and shareholders of the corporate trustee for the testamentary trust that owns the holiday house now? Jane and Joe die, and the shares in this testamentary trust now go into their estate, and are distributed accordingly.
0: Into the the trustee, the trustee, the corporate trustee's shares would go into each of their estates. So it would then need to be dealt with in in Jane and Joe, the children's wills, how those shares are. Um, prepared one one thing just taking a step back where individuals are appointed as the trustee of the testamentary trust one needs to be very careful not to have a single trustee particularly where that trustee is looking to settle amounts on the testamentary trust now the tax benefits of settling amounts outside of the will have now been ring fenced and effectively um let's say reduced but there's still a very you know people still have Using that testamentary trust and adding to it. And what I would caution is that you have more than one trustee. So where you've got an individual, you have at least two, preferably three individuals rather than just one individual. Yes,
2: because with one individual, you no longer have asset protection. Because with one individual, the full testamentary trust would go into the asset pool for absolutely, family and, and, and and also
0: Heidi, you don't know what goes down. So for you know down the line. So for example, I've, I've had a situation recently where um, there were two trustees. One trustee resigned. There's a single trustee now. The people that it was left to were, you know, it was intended that they would have children now. Brother and sister. Brother's the one who's the sole trustee now, but sister has just passed away. Brother and sister never had children. So there's a really, depending on where you look at it, there's this really difficult situation where brother now has a trust. He is the trustee and potentially the sole beneficiary. So, you know, you start to question whether there's actually a trust there. Now, that might be a strange situation, but why bring those situations about in the first place?
2: You have the deceased person who owned the holiday house, then you have the estate where the holiday house briefly goes in, and then you have the testamentary trust. Is there any CGT event in the deceased tax return when the holiday house passes from the deceased to the estate?
0: Into the deceased estate, there shouldn't be a um, a taxing event as such, but when you move it from, the testamentary trust effectively becomes the beneficiary of the deceased estate so yeah. that when it's passing into the testamentary trust, you may have a um, a taxing event. And it's a question as to how that gets treated. Part of that is depending on whether it's a pre-CGT asset or whether it's a post-CGT asset. Now we're talking about an investment property, so it's not a main residence. So you don't have any question as to whether you're losing a main residence exemption. But um, effectively it's a case of you're going to get a, a potential taxing event. Now the, the difficulty here is that the tax provisions allow for an exemption. They allow for an exemption from the deceased to the deceased estate. What it doesn't technically allow is for a to then go from the deceased estate to the testamentary trust. So technically speaking, you actually do have a tax gain. But there's an accommodation, and the way that the tax office has treated it is that they treat that testament, the exemption that is allowed under the Tax Act to effectively move the property, whatever that might be, from the deceased to the legal or personal representatives as being broad enough to include the second transfer from the legal personal representatives to the testamentary trust now where the so for example where the legal personal representatives let's use joe and jane joe and jane stand step in as the executors and they therefore you know administering the estate and let's use a property the investment property title of the investment property has to be transferred to the estate so it gets transferred to joe and jane ordinarily you would have a tax event there, but the Tax Act allows for that to be to, to disregard that CGT event. Now, when the estate is administered and it becomes an asset of the testamentary trust, it's Often not clear exactly at what point that's moved to the testamentary trust. Let's leave that as moot. But it, where it becomes very apparent as to these two transfers is now you appoint a corporate trustee of the testamentary trust. You're moving it out of the name of the legal personal representatives, Jane and Joe, and into Jane and Joe Pty Limited as the testamentary trustee. That transfer is technically not covered uh, by the exemption in 128, but there's an accommodation provided. It's not a statutory exemption, but it's accommodation through practice, which is uh, the tax office effectively have said, look, we, we will treat it as including the transfer from an administered estate to the testamentary trust.
2: And these transfers are also stamp duty free, correct? The transfers from the LPR to the testamentary trust are stamp duty free, correct?
1: Yes. Once it comes to the administration stage, sometimes beneficiaries say, oh, no, 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 I really want that property. And someone says, I want that. And they think, okay, we can just agree it amongst themselves. And they do so. But that's when they fall foul of state revenue laws because the state revenue exemptions are purely based on the wording of the will unless they get a court decision or they do some family deed of arrangement under some exemption that's allowed under the state revenue laws. It's really important that the the actual will provisions are specifically followed to get the duty exemption and if they're not, that you look at a a court order or a a family deed of arrangement that satisfies an exemption under the duty law.
0: It's the family arrangements and the deed of family arrangements that can often be the difficulty because Mm. you're you're planning and you're, you're not following the will. And the real concern is, so for example, using Victoria, whether any consideration has been given And as soon as you have that consideration, it will effectively knock you out of any stamp duty relief. Consideration for duty purposes is very, very broad.
1: So, For example, I had one matter where the will wasn't drafted as was intended. So a property was owned by a parent and one of the three children were, it was their main residence. And it was always intended that the, main residence would go to the child but under the will provisions it went three ways equally between the 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 three children so that in in effect um duty was so the transfers were made from the two siblings to the brother who was living in the house but those transfers weren't duty exempt so he had to pay duty on two-thirds of the the value of the property
2: so that basically means the transfer of the holiday house from the deceased to the LPRs and then to the testamentary trust, if you first cover CGT, are exempt from CGT as long as the ultimate beneficiaries are not foreign persons or are tax exempt charities. So as long as the asset stays within the CGT regime and then the cost base is just the old cost base of the deceased. That's CGT. The tricky bit is stamp duty. Because you can only get exemptions from stamp duty as the holiday house moves through the estate and into the testamentary trust. If you exactly follow the wording of the will or a court order or a family deed of arrangement. If instead, while the holiday house sits in the estate, the siblings talk to each other and work out who gets what. Then you potentially look at stamp duty because now you no longer follow a, a will, a court order or a deed of arrangement, correct? Correct. While the holiday house passes from the deceased to the LPR, I can imagine usually you don't have a change in title just for practical reasons, nobody bothers with it. And then when the holiday house goes into the testamentary trust, then you move the title into the name of the corporate trustee or the individual
1: trustees, correct? Correct. Technically, you do need to have a change in title to the executors. So you can do it in the one transaction when you're dealing from the so and the disease to the executors to the ultimate beneficiary, be it the testamentary trust. You can deal with it then. There are also uh, state revenue laws that require notification if land is passing under a will, then the, um, well under an estate, whether it's under a will or not, upon the death, once land is held by other people and not the original owner, then notifications have to be given, statutory notifications to the state revenue office as to that holding of that that land. So it doesn't mean that it's necessarily going to be subject to land tax, but you have to give these statutory notifications and there's normally a a time limit within which you do it.
0: I think that's where the problem problems come in is where um, non-legal people are involved in administering the estate, and they just leave it, for example, in the name of the deceased, which is often what I see. And they think, oh, well, you know, we'll just leave it there until we um, we, we change it. It's in the testamentary trust and nothing has been done on it. And you've you've missed all these required notifications. You've missed the two year period. You've missed all sorts of things because you've just left it in the name of the deceased. So. It it, it goes beyond better practice that actually to fulfill your obligations as the legal personal representative, you actually need to transfer it into your name and then move it into, transfer it again to the beneficiary, whether that's the testamentary trust or the individual beneficiaries.
2: So you actually need to move it into the name of the LPR and I think the reason that many people don't do that is because they are afraid of triggering stamp duty, but by not changing it, they are probably more at risk of triggering stamp duty.
0: Absolutely, they're they're more at risk of triggering stamp duty, capital gains tax, all sorts of other things, by not doing anything. And in fact, we're we're currently at the moment we we're, we're we're putting together a ruling to seek to have. The properties transferred, most of them are in Victoria, although there are others in interstate. So it's requiring rulings from from various ruling state revenue officers to have it moved from the deceased's name into directly into the corporate trustee's name of the testamentary trust.
2: So that is possible. You can ask to transfer. directly. So it is directly. possible,
0: but you want to ask. You want to ask for, <laughs> dare I say, permission to do it get it a lot crossed.
2: so talk to the state revenue office and make sure you do it the way they're happy happy with it you need to transfer the title most likely to the lpr and then to the testamentary trust but potentially you can transfer it directly to the testamentary trust so that was for the holiday house but of course the same then also applies to the main residence residence going into an estate that is what we will talk about in the next episode with paul golden and amanda morton but now quickly back to an investment property going into an estate if you just leave it to all your children equally in individual names and you update the title in time then no stamp duty if your children all stay on the title But if your children then start shuffling the properties between them within the estate, so you get the beach house and I take the hobby farm, and for that I pay you the difference in value, then you trigger stamp duty and capital gains tax. And then you have different cost bases for different parts of the asset. And the same principle applies to a testamentary trust. If the will directs it to go into the testamentary trust and that happens as directed by the will, then no stamp duty or capital gains tax. But if you do something different instead, different to what the will stipulated, then you do. So that was about investment properties going into an estate. But what about a main residence and the main residence exemption? That is what Paul and Amanda will discuss with you in the next episode, episode 311. Until then, thank you for listening and thank you to Class for their support. Bye for now and see you in the next episode.